Our blessed Heavenly Father, on this Easter morning, we give thanks to you that that grave, that tomb, could not hold our Lord Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead, just as he said he would. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. On that great resurrection chapter that we should all read today and be encouraged by, you are a risen Savior, Lord Jesus. You're alive and you're seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. We thank you that you're glorified and honored. And we pray that as the word of God goes forth, not only from this pulpit today, but also throughout the United States and throughout the world, we pray that you will be glorified and that the gospel will go forth, that souls will be saved, believers will be taught and inspired and encouraged. Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and speak through your word, Lord, in such a powerful way, such a personal way to each one of us, Lord. We all need it. We all need to be encouraged by the resurrection and by the hope we have in you. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you and pray that you will be honored and glorified. Please guide us by the Spirit of God in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As Alexander the Great was setting out on his conquest of Asia, he inquired into the finances of his followers to ensure that they wouldn't be troubled over the welfare of their dependents in their absence. He distributed crown estates and revenues among them. When he had disposed of nearly all the royal revenues and resources, his friend George Pericus Ask him what he had reserved for himself. Hope, he answered. In that case, since Pericus, we who share in your labors will also take part in your hopes. He then refused the estate allotted to him, and several of the king's friends did the same. One of the most powerful things in this world today is hope. If you lose hope, You've lost it all. Hope is something that really only Christians can fully appreciate the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior who rose from the dead. Hope is very powerful and it's needed around us everywhere. It's needed in our families. It's needed in our society. It's needed in our church. It's needed everywhere. Hope the hope of Jesus Christ. On the front page of Friday's East Bay Times newspaper, the caption read, Nurse summoned her inner warrior, Curry. FaceTime call with NBA star inspires hope. I see you still have my jersey on. Steph Curry of the Warriors heard about the nurse Shelby Delaney and her fellow nurses at Alta Bate Summit Medical Center in Oakland who were caring for the coronavirus patients. She had gone on Facebook and made some postings and he saw it there and he FaceTimed her. And she received a call while at the hospital with her fellow nurses that lasted five minutes 
And in that FaceTime call, Steph Curry took his time out to thank her and all the ICU nurses that are caring for these patients. And it was inspiring to her, and it brought hope to her, and it brought encouragement to her. Back a few weeks ago, she started wearing her Steph Curry jersey underneath her hospital attire that she was wearing. She had already been wearing her Steph Curry sneakers, and then she added the Steph Curry jersey. And in the newspaper, right there on the front page, it has a picture of this 27-year-old nurse, and it shows that she pulled back her attire so that it would show the Warriors t-shirt Steph Curry jersey underneath. Also, Steph Curry last month in the month of March had inspired all the young people when he encouraged them to tune in for an online forum with Dr. Anthony Fauci explaining the coronavirus and how serious it was for the young people. Steph has been busy. He's been inspiring people. And all of us need to do the same. We bring a message of hope. We bring a message of Jesus Christ to the world. And that is the message that's going to get us through this crisis. And this is the message that's going to get us through our lives until we go to be with the Lord and walk through those pearly gates and are with the Lord in eternity forever and ever. The title of our message today is Christ is Risen and Gives Us Hope. There's no greater hope than Jesus Christ. Him crucified, Him risen, and Him coming again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And He is the same forever. And when we trust in Him as our Lord and our Savior, He gives us hope to live. He gives us hope to press on like to read our opening text this morning, Matthew chapter 28 and verses 5 through 7. We're familiar with this portion from the Gospel of Matthew. It says, But the angel answered and said to the women who had come to the tomb, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. A message of hope to these women who had come to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus they came early in the morning on Sunday morning, but they found an empty tomb. The stone was rolled away. The angel spoke to them that Jesus was crucified, that he was in the tomb, but that he had risen from the dead and would appear to them and to the other apostles and disciples. What a blessing the resurrection is. It just gives us renewed vigor and renewed encouragement, and renewed comfort this Sunday morning. And even though 
You may be sitting home watching this message and listening to this message in your pajamas or wherever you may be. And it's different than when we were be here all together in the church. But nevertheless, it is Easter Sunday. And it is time to preach the Word of God. And it is time to be encouraged. And it is time to remember the hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. The three things that we're going to look at this morning is number one, Christ is risen, our living hope. Secondly, Christ is risen, our abiding hope. And number three, Christ is risen, our eternal hope. The disciples after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, were very sad, very discouraged, and very afraid. They had seen their Lord crucified on the cross. The apostles were meeting together in secret for fear of the Jews. Two of the disciples that walked along the road to Emmaus were very sad until Jesus appeared to them and encouraged their hearts. On at least three occasions in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus had said that he would be killed. He would be raised from the dead and he would appear to them after that. Somehow, and I'd like to know how, they forgot these words. In their sorrow, in their agony, in, in all that they were going through, they forgot that part of it. That he was going to rise from the dead, which he did. So many times in life when we go through traumatic experiences, it can affect us mentally. It can affect us emotionally. And it can affect us physically. And sometimes we forget things we normally would not forget. And that's what happened with, with the disciples in those days. But Jesus said in John chapter 11 and verses 25 and 26, when he was at the tomb of Lazarus, he spoke to Martha, the brother of Lazarus, and he said these words. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her this question, do you believe this? She got a chance to see with her eyes that Jesus raised her brother Lazarus from the dead and that he is the resurrection and the life. And then later on, just a little while longer down the road, Jesus Christ himself would rise from the dead and bring hope and comfort and encouragement, not just to the early disciples, but to all of us as well. Jesus turned their sorrow into joy, and only he can do that, because he is the resurrection and the life. And when he appeared to them, there was one time when Thomas was not there, and Thomas had said, I'm not going to believe until I see it with my own eyes, the wounds in his hands and feet inside. And Jesus came and appeared and he said, Thomas, reach out your hands and touch the wounds. And then he did. 
and he believed. And he said, my Lord and my God. Thomas probably regretted having doubted. He's known ever since as the, one who, the apostle who doubted. Doubting Thomas. But what a hope we have. And not only was there hope the day that he rose from the dead, but there's still the same hope today because Jesus is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God. He loves us. He cares for us. And he's promised us that we will be with him forever. The great poet and hymn writer Annie Johnson Flint wrote these beautiful words. Some of us stay at the cross. Some of us wait at the tomb. Quickened and raised with Christ, yet lingering still in the gloom. Some of us bide at the Passover feast with Pentecost all unknown, the triumphs of grace in the heavenly place that our Lord has made His own. If the Christ who died had stopped at the cross, His work had been incomplete. If the Christ who was buried had stayed in the tomb, He had only known defeat. But the way of the cross never stops at the cross, and the way of the tomb leads on to victorious grace in the heavenly place where the risen Christ has gone. Jesus is our hope. And He rose from the dead. And because He rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead. When we die, or when we're raptured, we're going to go straight into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to be with Him forever. And what a joy that's going to be. He is our living hope all through our lives. I love that hymn that Bill Gaither wrote, and we sing it quite often. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. He dries our tears and he calms our fears through his hope. I love the verse that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. It's really a doxology, but it's also a great form of encouragement to us as well. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Twice in this verse, Paul uses the word hope. God is a God of hope and he wants us to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just to have hope, but to abound in hope. To be immersed in it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the first disciples were when they saw Jesus alive from the dead. It was a great hope. And it was a great encouragement. May the Lord help us to have this hope in the days in which we live that we may have joy and peace in believing. And that's what we want to have today. So that's our first point today. Christ is risen, our living hope. 
And because he is alive, we have this living hope every day of our lives. He's always with us, and he's always guiding us. Secondly, not only is it important to have a living hope, but it's important to have an abiding hope. An abiding hope means that he is with us in our struggles, in our trials, in our difficulties. He's right with us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. When Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples, he said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And here's the key. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The Lord abides with us, and we abide with him. And it's so encouraging, no matter what we go through in life, that Jesus is with us. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Just like it says in the Old Testament, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Jesus Christ is our anchor. And every ship that sails the seas must have a good anchor. No sailor, no captain will take the helm of the ship unless he's got an anchor. Otherwise, you're taking your life into your own hands without the anchor. Nothing moves us because nothing moves him. In Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Jesus is our anchor. We can hold on to him. And when the storms of life hit us, we won't be moved. Someone once said, no one knows what will happen at sea would go to sea in a vessel that carried no anchor, even though it were the greatest and most modern liner afloat. For circumstances might arise when the hope of the ship and all her company would depend on not the captain or the crew, the engines or the compass, or the steering gear, but on the anchor. When all else has failed, there is hope in the anchor. And I praise God for this that Jesus Christ is my anchor. I fastened my life onto him when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. When I confessed my sins and I repented of my sins and I asked him to come into my life to, to be my Lord and Savior. And he did. I fastened my life to Christ. And you did the same when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You fastened on to the anchor of Christ. As the hymn writer said, we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in my Savior's love. What a great anchor we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our abiding hope in days of darkness. He is our abiding hope in days of sorrow. 
He is our abiding hope in days of pain. He gets us through. You know, the early Christians gathered together and they broke bread and they had fellowship and they had the Word of God and they had prayer. And they were first called Christians, the believers in Christ, first called Christians in Antioch. And the word Christian has Christ in it because he is in it with us. When soldiers go to war, they don't go alone. The Lord goes with them. And many of our soldiers that are fighting in the conflicts around the world have special dog tags that have verses on them. And they bring such encouragement. But you know what? The atheists and the people of this world, they don't like that. They, they say it's um, bringing church and state together. It's, not, it's, it's a separation of church and state issue and all of that. Forget that. They need to have the word of God when they go out to defend our country and fight for us. Because Jesus fought for us on the cross. He took our sins, he bore our sins in his own body, he fought the devil, and he conquered him, and he defeated all our foes, and he won our salvation on the cross. Just like Steph Curry brought a source of hope and inspiration to Shelby Delaney and her fellow ICU nurses down in Oakland, so too we can bring hope and encouragement and comfort to those people around us that are so fearful today so discouraged today, so uncertain of what's going to happen going forward. Gilbert Bienken said, Other men see only a hopeless end, but the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. I'll repeat that one more time. Other men see only a hopeless end, but the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. Our hope is endless because Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God and He lives forever and our hope abides with us forever. In Hebrews 13, 5, the writer of Hebrews says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a blessing it is to know the Lord Jesus and to know he's with us and he'll never leave us and, or forsake us. He'll be with us through the end of the age until he welcomes us home into glory. I hope that this will be the last Easter service we celebrate on earth, that we'll celebrate the next one in heaven, that he will come today and take us home to be with himself. But if you're not ready, and you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not ready. You need to accept Him today. He wants to be your living hope. He wants to be your abiding hope. And of course, He also wants to be your eternal hope. Our hope is eternal. And we want to thank God for that. There's an expression that says, Hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal, and it's true, it does, but it really only does for the child of God, because anyone in the world that doesn't have the Lord Jesus Christ, they can have hope, but they're wishing for it to happen. They want it to happen, but they don't know for sure if it's going to happen. 
But the hope in the New Testament is completely different. The hope in the New Testament is defined as a confident expectation. That's what hope really is in Jesus Christ. It's a confident expectation that when God says it, we can believe it and that can settle it for us. I love that little song, God said it and I believe it and that settles it for me. And it does because when the Lord Jesus Christ promised to come, it is his promise, it is, his blessed, it is a blessed hope for us and he is coming. There's a beautiful verse in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 which talks about our blessed hope. It says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for it. Are you looking for that blessed hope today? Are you looking for Jesus Christ to come? That's what we should be doing. We should be keeping our eyes looking upward, not downward. Upward to the Lord Jesus Christ, not downward to our circumstances. Upward to the Lord Jesus Christ on his throne, not downward into our own circumstances and what we're going through. Yes, it's a blessed hope. It's a blessed hope in Jesus that we look to. His promise to take us through these tough times and difficult times. Our hope goes beyond this earth. Our hope goes beyond the grave. Our hope goes beyond the skies. Our hope goes to Jesus. And he's coming back at the rapture to take us to be with himself. I love one of the analogies of the rapture that's so beautiful. And that analogy is if you have a magnet and you have some little metal filings, as that magnet gets closer to those metal filings, the metal filings start shaking like this, and then they go up to meet the magnet. And that's what's happening today as we see these things happening before our eyes. We know the Lord is coming, and it should shake us up a little bit. It should get us prepared for His coming. We should look for His coming. We should desire His coming because we are going to be so much better off in his presence forever and ever. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, describes this hope and how it has a great effect on our lives. It says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is such a beautiful verse because we know that when the Lord comes, we will be in his presence and we will be like him. That is the joy, that is the goal of every Christian is to be like Christ, and we will when we see him face to face. And John, who was the one who was called the apostle whom Jesus loved and spent so much time with Jesus and he reclined on his bosom, 
he gives this encouragement to all the believers he's writing to when he says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The hope of Jesus, the hope of his coming, has a purifying effect on every believer, on every church, on every man and woman of God, a purifying effect, because he is our hope. And we look beyond what we're going through now to see what he has for us in the future. It's an eternal hope. Not only is it a blessed hope, but it's an eternal hope. Our hope never ends. It goes on forever. If you have a chance to read Revelation chapter 21, and read it. And I'm going to, to read from verses 3 and 4 because it talks about what we are going to have, what our hope is going to be in his presence. And it says in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I can't wait until that day when all the former things are passed away and all the new things have come. As beautiful as heaven is and wonderful as it is, and we have so many descriptions of it in the scripture, it cannot compare to what it, when, what it really is like when we get there because God is going to have surprises for us there. The beauty and the glory and the wonder in heaven is going to exceed our expectations. It's going to go beyond our imaginations. It's going to go beyond our dreams. We're going to have something better than we've ever had before. As beautiful as this earth is, it's cursed by the fall. It's cursed by sin. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be beauty untouched by sin. It's going to be a glory where we see the Lord face to face and we'll be with Him and with each other forever and ever and ever. Everything in heaven will be perfect because the Lord is perfect. And we're going to have our home there with Him. Jesus has already gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. Now, I like the King James Version, and I like the New King James Version that says mansions. Now, whether it's mansions or dwelling places, however you want to call it, it's going to be great. And it's got your name on it. It's got my name on it. He's got a place for us, each and every one of us. And he's been preparing it all this time. And it's going to be fantastic. James Packer, who wrote about the attributes of God, once said this, To those who have learned to love and trust Jesus, the prospect of meeting him face to face and being with him forever is the hope that keeps us going no matter what life 
may throw at us. You know, when you're a baseball pitcher, your, your goal is to strike out the batter and to use whatever pitches you have at your disposal to do and accomplish that task. The batter's job is to hit the ball, and that's not an easy thing. A great hitter is one that usually hits three, at least 300, which means he, he's, he get, he's successful one out of three times. The pitcher's job is to get the batter out. And so he has a fastball. He has a curveball. He has a slider. He has a changeup. He has a knuckleball, maybe. Has a split finger fastball. There's all kinds of pitches that pitchers have devised. And our circumstances are like that. And sometimes we think, boy, I was ready for a good fastball down the middle. And all of a sudden, life changed in a heartbeat in an instant. And now I can't hit that ball. I swing and miss. We're doing a lot of swinging and missing at this one with this coronavirus, I'll tell you that. The hope we have in heaven is a bright hope. It's a beautiful hope. It's a bountiful hope. And it will be the greatest thing we've ever had. There's a beautiful verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 which reminds us, It is written... I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you can dream it, God can exceed that dream. If you can imagine it, God's going to do even better than that. He says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. We don't know what heaven's going to really look like, but it's going to be great. We don't even know what Jesus looks like. Many artists have tried to portray him. I have a picture of Jesus on my top of my refrigerator that was taken from one of the bulletins I had done uh, years ago. And I kept it because it's so beautiful. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and has a picture, a beautiful picture of Jesus with his hair and his beard and his beautiful eyes of compassion. I said, to myself all the time, I said, Jesus must look like this because it's so beautiful. But guess what, folks? He's going to be even more beautiful than that. He's going to be even more wonderful than that. We can't imagine how glorious heaven is going to be, and we can't imagine how glorious Jesus is going to be. John Newton, in his hymn, Amazing Grace, the last verse says this, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. A story was told by a man named Hendrik Wilhelm van Loon in his book entitled History of Mankind, which was published in 1922, almost 100 years ago. He wrote this, High in the north in a land called Smithjod, there is a mountain. It is a hundred miles long and a hundred miles high. And once every thousand years, a little bird comes to this mountain to sharpen its beak. When the mountain has thus been worn away, a single day of eternity will have passed. 
Oh, I can't get my mind around it. I can't grasp eternity. We live in time. We live with calendars and deadlines and beginnings and endings. And we live with all these earthly things. But when we get to heaven, there will be no time. It will, there will be just one day. And we will have that day last for all eternity. What a joy and a blessing it is. Let's remember, dear brothers and sisters, this morning, and to all those who are hearing my voice, that Jesus Christ is risen. He is alive, and He is our hope. He is risen. He is our living hope. And because He is alive, we are alive also. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins are made alive together with Christ, by grace we've been saved. And He is our living hope. And because He lives, we can face tomorrow. We can face the next day. We can face what comes in a week or a month or a year or whatever comes in our lives. Because He lives, we live also. He's alive and seated at the right hand of God, waiting for the time when the Father says, My son, go get them. Bring them home. It's time. He is risen, and He is not only our living hope, but He's our abiding hope. He's with us through the storms of life. He's through, through all the things that we go through. He's right there with us. He's our anchor. He's not only our anchor, but He's also our captain. Isn't that amazing? And He will not let anything destroy us. Nothing moves him, so nothing will move us. And finally, we saw today that He is risen and He is our eternal hope. We look forward to the blessed hope of His coming, which may be today, maybe before we even say amen to this, at this message. The Lord is coming, and He wants to take us to be with Himself. Heaven is ahead of us. We need to look up. Just like in the movie Chariots of Fire, when Eric Little was running that race in the Olympic Games, and he did it also in the other races he ran prior to the Olympic Games, as he was getting closer to the finish line, he started looking up. All the competitors were looking down. All of them were running and straining. He was looking up to Jesus for strength, for hope, for help. And he won the race. And we can win the race too as long as we keep our hope fixed on Jesus and not on the circumstances of life. I'd just like to conclude with a quote from a man named Orison Martin where he said, There is no medicine like hope, no incentive so great, and no tonic so powerful as the expectation of a better tomorrow. Christ is risen, and he has given us hope. The hymn writer says, Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we pray today that you will give us this hope. Help us to focus on Jesus. 
We thank you for our salvation, Lord. That if we were to die today, we'd go to be with you, and that is our hope. We have a living hope that you're alive. We have an abiding hope that you're alive and you're with us. And we have an eternal hope that you're alive, you're with us, and you're going to take us to be with yourself. Lord, we thank you for the hope. And we pray that we will rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And we just commit this time to you and pray you'll bless all the saints, Lord, all through the world and out who are listening to this message today. And we ask this in Jesus' precious and most worthy name. Amen.